Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Cloudy Tuesday morning, March 7th. Thank you for getting it started with us here on WWL. Hot. That's the best I can tell you. And really no chance for showers till Friday. 30% chance then. Another 30% chance for showers on Sunday. Then they say much cooler by Monday, but they've said that before, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. Right now it's 72. Muggy is all get out. Dane Cialino joins us, our friend, professor of law at Loyola, to talk about Emily Ma and uh, what that assistant district attorney, assistant district attorney, did on Mardi Gras. Good morning, Dane. How are you? Morning, Tommy. Just fine. Um, I guess for people that know of it, don't know about it, perhaps you could give us a quick recap of what Emily Ma did on Mardi Gras Day with some some fifteen cases, I think, right? Right. She is a senior prosecutor at uh, at Jason Williams DA's office in Orleans Parish, and. During some uh, initial appearances of uh, defendants who had been arrested at, uh, at parades with firearms uh, or in the French Quarter, she uh, essentially summarily told the magistrate judge that the DA's office was refusing charges and uh, essentially letting these defendants go in exchange for their agreement to forfeit their firearms. And, um, and that happened in nearly a dozen cases, and it's caused a big uproar. Procedurally, how does it normally work with who's that in the background, Dane? Eh? Uh, that's my dog Tiki. Tiki, what kind of dog we got there? <laughs> he is a labradoodle. Oh, uh, gotta, lo- gotta love him. Yes, no, those are great dogs. Hypoallergenic too, I think, right? Right. Yeah, good. Um, so let, we're dog friendly here, believe me. So let's talk about the process over at the DA's office. Uh, you go to work over there. You're an assistant district attorney. Tell me about the structure, I guess, if you will. Who gives you your marching orders? How much uh, leeway do you have in making decisions, et cetera, generally speaking, from your experience? And I don't know if you've ever worked there or not. I don't think. Did you? I, I have not, uh, although I've worked with them a good bit over the past uh, 30 years. Uh, well, I, of course, Jason Williams is the sole person with authority to make charging decisions. Um, and he, uh, under the Louisiana Constitution, he's got really unbridled uh, power to, to, to make those decisions. No one else does. But, of course, in a, in a big office like the New Orleans District Attorney's Office, he's got to delegate responsibilities to his uh, duly commissioned uh, assistants. And, and, of course, that's what he does. So the assistants make most of the decisions except for uh, discharging decisions in, in really uh, kind of big, important cases. And uh, that's what he did here. He, he allowed um, Emily Ma to make 
charging decisions, which is not there's nothing unusual about that. What is unusual is the way that she uh, she summarily handled these cases rather than waiting uh, for them to go through the regular uh, screening process, which involves getting police reports, talking to police officers, talking to witnesses, looking at the rap sheets of the defendants. And then after that, usually a process that takes at least a few weeks, if not uh, months, uh, then making a decision whether to, do, to, uh, to refuse charges or to go forward with a prosecution. The traditional thing for her to do would have been um, pending the police reports, et cetera, because I presume when they have arraignment, which is what this happened at, correct? Arraignment? Bail it was an initial different? appearance. Arra- initial an appearance. arraignment happens yeah, only after a bill of information or a bill of indictment has been filed by the DA's that's office. That's where you plead. That, that's where you commence the prosecution, and, um, and, and usually it ends in a plea. All yeah. Right. So instead, this is just to see if you get out on bail or not, and normally at these things, there is no police report available, right? I mean, how common is it for any district attorney to say we're not going to uh, accept, we're, we're dismissing the charges or we're not going to prosecute the case? Or I, I guess that's the first question. What basically did she say? We're not going to we're going to dismiss charges or we're not going to prosecute the case or both? Well, there are no charges to dismiss yet. So what she what she told the magistrate is that the office was going to refuse charges, which is not file a charging document, which is called a bill of information in these uh, misdemeanor cases. And instead, um, in exchange for a forfeiture of the firearm that was possessed by the defendant, she was going to uh, you know, let the defendants go without bail and without prosecution. So she didn't have a police report as far as we know, or would, but some, would an, an assistant district attorney at that point in the procedure normally have a police report about what happened, or was Mardi Gras a different animal? No, you're not going to have a full-blown police report at, at that initial appearance. You'll have what's called a gist, which is a one, usually a one- or two-paragraph at most summary of what uh, the police officer uh, believes happened. And the whole purpose of that gist is so the magistrate could take a look at the facts as the state or the police officer alleges them to be in order to determine whether there's probable cause for the arrest because the Fourth Amendment requires – uh, probable cause to arrest somebody, and that probable cause needs to be determined by a magistrate uh, fairly shortly after arrest. So apparently, I'm guessing she did have this gist, or this gist was available to every party. I'm sure she had she had a gist, right? But that's that's probably all she had. Uh, she may have had a rap sheet on these defendants, probably did, but uh, but other than that, uh, she she didn't wait for for, for full blown police reports. Uh, and then just made a charging decision. Now, again, I, I don't think that's uncommon in minor misdemeanors, and it's not uncommon and it's not uh, controversial. What is different about these cases is that these some of these uh, defendants face fairly serious firearm charges, uh, the, the most serious of which was a person who had a, a machine gun. It was a gun that was modified so that it would uh, was capable of automatic fire, that's a serious felony. Uh, it's a something that could get you 10 years in federal prison. And that's a case where she knew that the defendant had a firearm, but excuse me, a machine gun. But as long as the guy promised to go back to Tennessee where he was from, she was happy to keep the gun and release the defendant. 
Would you say, well, tell you what, let me take a break, and, and I know this is a subjective thing, but I don't know if this is bizarre behavior. I don't know if this is um, activist behavior on her part, uh, and I just don't know what happens from here. Can the feds look back on on the guy with the machine gun and say, wait, we can bring him up on federal charges? Or is the whole thing over with now? Dane Cialino, our guest, professor of law at Loyola, trying to help us understand what the hell happened on Mardi Gras Day when an assistant district attorney, by all accounts, went rogue and said, you know what? Uh, just give us a gun and you can go off on your friendly way. Even if it's a machine gun, go back to Tennessee. God bless you. 621 traffic now, WWL. 626, Tommy Tucker, WWL, talking to our good friend Dane Cialino, professor of law at Loyola. About Emily Ma, the um, Dane, what is her title? The senior prosecutor? She's an assistant district attorney. I'm not sure exactly what her title is. I think it's chief of the civil rights division, but she is uh, as senior and a, an assistant as he has over there. So I'm reading the transcript here. Um, Emily Ma says a machine gun's a pretty serious weapon. I just want to make sure Mr. Manhave is from Tennessee. Is that right? And the defendant says, yes, ma'am. Is he planning to go back to Tennessee? Public defender says, yes. Uh, the Ma says, is he planning to go back to Tennessee? And the public defender who was representing the guy with the machine gun says, yes. And she says, okay, so as long as you're going back without the, as long as you're okay going back without the machine gun, then we'll refuse the charges. That That's just... That's that's crazy, Dane. Uh, would the federal government now be able to come in and and look at what the police report says? Uh, absolutely. On on not all of these these arrests, but on some of them, the federal government, ATF, can come in and investigate them and and prosecute. I would expect that they're probably looking at uh, at that machine gun case and 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 maybe others for sure. How? Um abstract is this something like this happening well i mean it's uh, you know it's unusual i'm trying to set the i'm trying to separate the politics from the facts of it dane is what i'm doing yeah i, I mean it's certainly unusual it, it's 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 not that unusual uh in, in the sense that you if you're a da running a large prosecutor's office in a in a in a in a big metropolitan and uh, city that's with lots of violent crime as New Orleans is, you have to delegate to your assistants. And uh, when you're talking about misdemeanor cases, you generally want to get those resolved fairly quickly so you can devote your efforts to serious violent felonies. So you know these are misdemeanor charges. These were not felonies. Some of these were serious misdemeanors, uh, granted, but. Um, you've got to let your assistants handle these cases. Now, whether she should have done this with these uh, these firearm cases is is questionable, but um, it's it's uh, I don't think it's as outrageous as many people are making it sound. I know I had a, a young man whose family lives in northwestern Louisiana reached out to me because their son broke a window and went to jail, and I said, well, you know, he shouldn't have broken the window, and he. He did the worst thing he could have done at the worst possible time in a worst place. Well, not the worst thing he could have done, but the worst place at the worst time because of the system. But they held him until they um, uh, released him on his own recognizance. But they didn't say we're refusing the charges or anything like that. And that's just uh, accidentally breaking a window in a bar. So th this does seem kind of strange. Um, let me ask you real quick about Morris Bart, the agreement with the DA's office. As soon as I saw this, I thought, you know, as big as that firm is, there could be a, a room for a lot of conflict here. How does that sit with you, or does it seem like a, a smart thing to do? 
Yeah, now this is something where it, it is a surprise to me that this is getting so much interest in the media because uh, lawyers do pro bono work. There's nothing improper about lawyers assisting the DA's office in screening cases. Of course, the DA's office has got to make the final decisions, but uh, but Morris Bart's lawyers are uh, are capable. They know how to read police reports. They know how to uh, look at evidence and talk to witnesses. There's nothing that would prevent them uh, or make it unethical for them to prepare screening memoranda and to make recommendations. They can make decisions, but they can make recommendations. So there's nothing unusual about that. And uh, frankly, most of the DA's offices throughout the state of Louisiana have lawyers uh, prosecuting cases who have part-time civil practices. That's very common. It's not common in Orleans and Jefferson, but it's common in most other parishes throughout the state. So there are rules that govern conflicts in these situations. The Louisiana Supreme Court has handed down decisions to provide guidance on how uh, lawyers who have prosecutors who have civil practices are supposed to navigate those uh, those those uh, conflicts issues. So it's to me, it's a it's a big nothing burger. He's just a high pop profile guy, probably is what it is. Thank you, Dane. I appreciate your time. Have a good day. All right, Tommy. Dane Cialino, right. professor of law at Loyola. Morris Bart, not the shy and retiring type, right? Six thirty one. Now back in a flash, we'll be talking to Peter Scharf about crime in New Orleans on WWL. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.